0: Hello and welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zelmer, founder of Faces of and your host today is a slightly different style of podcast. I recently did a Facebook live, um, my monthly TBI talk with Dr. Perry Maynard from Integrated Brain Centers. And it was such a wonderful conversation, such an important topic. um, I felt that it needed to be turned into a podcast as well. So what will follow here is my interview with Dr. Perry Maynard. And we're talking all about, can you recover from a TBI? So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Please join me on Instagram and Facebook uh, at Amy Zelmer. And also, please join our private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors and caregivers. And just a big thank you to Integrated Brain Centers for being our podcast sponsor. You can get a free 30-minute phone consultation with them at integratedbraincenters.com. So thank you for listening. And here is today's interview. Great. We are live. So welcome everyone to this month's TBI talk. I am here with Dr. Perry Maynard from Integrated Brain Centers. And um, today's topic is spurred from an email I received this morning. And I thought it would actually be a really great topic for this month's talk. Um, I received an email after I sent out a email talking about how yoga helped me recover from my brain injury. And Mm -hmm. I received a response back telling me, FYI, you can't recover from a brain injury. But by the way, I like most of your work. And I was like, okay. Um, So I took a moment with it. And I was like, you know what, I bet this person's been told that by a doctor. Um, And I know for me personally, at my one year mark, I was told by the neurologist, well, this is probably the best that you'll get. You probably won't get any better than this. And I was like, that is not okay. That is not the right answer. Um, And so that's actually when I turned to yoga to help me in my recovery. Um, And unfortunately, it took me two more years to find functional neurology, um, which as most of you know, that's what Dr. Perry specializes in and that's what helped me in my recovery it gave me my life back and so i think it's such an important topic today um because i feel like people lose hope if they think that they can't recover mm-hmm. and you know if you if you believe you can't recover if someone has told you that you're not going to recover right
1: yeah I mean, yeah. i mean the, the power exactly the power of Mind and and even suggestion, which some might look at mm-hmm. as a negative, um, is a very real thing. You know, there's a reason why things are tested against uh, placebos. You know, mm-hmm. and that something has to show that it is better than a placebo uh, because a placebo, it's it's itself can have improvements. And how do you explain that other than um, one's neurology and how it influences? Uh, outlook and all these different things. And we could talk about other cases of that, but, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, okay, Perry, so let's dive in. Can you recover from a TBI?
1: <laughs> yeah. So I think it, that's a good question. And like you and I were kind of chatting, um, I think we have to look at a few different things of what is, what is recovery, right? What, you know, if you look at the What does it mean? Of recovery, right? It is one defined in Webster's uh, dictionary as uh, getting back to a state of normal health. I make the argument that recovery has—it's um, a continuum. It's not—it's not black or white. You know, if you yeah. look at recovery from an ACL, one might say you are going to get fifty percent recovered. So to say that, you know, once again, I believe that recovery is a continuum. Recovery is not all or nothing. It is a spectrum of, you know, yes. Yes, full recovery is back to oneself pre-accident, but then how do you define that? And we'll talk about, are we looking at symptoms, right? So does someone report no more symptoms and does that mean they're recovered or do we have objective data pre and post to know that yeah. there's recovery and, and like we'll talk about in a second, um. Not that the NFL is the best example, but as we're getting pre and post testing, people have to be able to recover because people have a head injury. They have pre-testing and we have testing showing that they return to pre-testing so that they can return back to sport. So right off the bat, we know that it occurs. But I think, first of all, we also define concussions and brain injuries a little bit more, because I will agree that a mild concussion is very different than a severe brain injury, right? Right. So if we're classifying brain injuries, right, we have mild traumatic brain injuries, we have moderate, and we have severe to keep it simple. And these all have to do with the Glasgow Coma Scale, which in essence shows you how severe someone's brain has been injured. And that's very different than, let's say, a sports-related concussion, right? Because we're looking at different levels of trauma to the bright. So right off the bat, to give a statement that you cannot recover, well, what are we talking about? Are we talking about somebody who was in a uh, football collision and maybe they didn't lose consciousness and they have mild symptoms uh, related to a concussion, they have a diagnosed concussion, or are we talking about somebody Who, um, you know, we were chatting earlier, just a second ago, take an example of like a a Kevin Pierce, who suffered a pretty severe brain injury while snowboarding and was in, you know, Craig Hospital and had to relearn a lot of everyday function things. Those are two different people.
0: And, and I mean, I'm just gonna stop you there for a second. So like, he was in a coma for like a couple days. And then he had to relearn how to walk like that in itself is recovery.
1: I, yes, no, I I agree with you. And and I think this is an important piece. We talk about this is because it's not an empowering narrative. Um, It's, it's kind of like the, the narrative around genetics. Some things are genetics, genetics play a role, but I don't know sometimes why we dwell so much on genetics. changed, And we know that we have epigenetics, which Is our environment changes the expression of our genes? We need to focus on things that are empowering in getting someone better versus things that are not empowering. So I think going back to it, we need to categorize brain injury. And then we need to go back to this idea that the brain can or cannot heal. Um, And I thought that we had kind of gotten past that outdated knowledge that the brain can't heal. You know, a great book. Um, that really started to shed light on the popularity of neuroplasticity is Norman Dodge. He's a medical neurologist, uh, and it's the brain that changes itself. And it's a great book about the concept of neuroplasticity, right? Which is the idea of creating new neuronal connections. Now, I will agree that there is debate on, can we create new neurons? So we know that certain areas in the hippocampus, in the areas of the brain, we do have neurogenesis. But largely it's still unclear, uh, and it's still argued that most of the brain cannot create new neurons. But what it can do is it can create branching off. So say this neuron did this one job and had this one connection. Well, when I become symptom-free, most likely what may be happening, or I have improvement in symptoms, is this neuron or this neuronal network is now picking up the slack for other areas, right? You know that we, we know that individuals relearn how to speak after strokes, right? And that is right through brain dead tissue. We know that individuals can regain the ability to walk um, with spinal cord injury, right? So I think we have plenty of proof and data to show that the brain is plastic, right? For the longest time, we thought it is what it is. Your brain can't change, um, and I think that is the farthest thing from the truth. And I think um, that's not just anecdotal evidence. I think there's plenty of yeah. rigorous peer-reviewed evidence to show that the brain is plastic and it can change and adapt. So if that's the case, then a traumatic brain injury or concussion has the potential to improve. Um, and 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 we see this also in even randomized trials with that are looking at different um therapies. So let's take the um Um, the consensus statement. So every few years, we have the concussion concussion consensus statement. It's related to sports-related concussions. But all the experts in concussions get together in a different city within the world um, to discuss the most up-to-date research on management and treatment of sports-related concussions. And in that, that's where they'll bring up and look at evidence and say how much evidence is around vestibular rehabilitation in improving um, functionality of a brain injury, vision therapy, cognitive therapy, um, chiropractic, PT, massage, all these things are studied. And in these consensus statements, which kind of analyze all the data, they show which ones have efficacy and which ones do not. So there is also research to show different therapies can take an individual that has maybe a certain symptom score and get them to another symptom score. So, um, and, 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 and some might argue this is anecdotal, but I see it every day. Uh, and I've seen it for years and years and years. And I have many colleagues who have been practicing from 10 to 20 to 25 years, um, who've treated thousands and thousands of thousands of people with concussions um, and have objective data of um, symptom scores going from this to this, uh, but not even that is balance scores, cognitive scores. You, yeah. know, maybe when they, uh, you know, we can even share that where, and this is how you kind of prove is you can take objective data that has been researched and then you can see pre and post changes. So I would make the argument there that not only if someone says their headache went from a five to a one or a zero, but also their reaction time improved back into a normal range. Their executive function improved back into a normal range. Their verbal and visual memory uh, improved back into a normal range. Well, how do you you fake those? You know, so we can see that once again. Now the question is, did that area of the frontal lobe itself totally heal? Uh, We don't know, but something is picking Mm -hmm. up the slack. And so as long Mm -hmm. as we see improvements in symptoms, and we see improvement in function in everyday life, I don't think it really matters at this point. Is the, the point is we, we need to get someone from not working and not contributing to being able to hold a job again, being able to raise a family and make an income to support a family. If those things can occur, I would argue one is in the process of recovery. Um, you yeah. know, and, and once again, that can be anything from. They went from not being able to drive to now they can drive. Maybe they still can't work, mm-hmm. but they can drive. That is a form of recovery and improvement, uh, and, and it's a spectrum, right? Not, I will agree. Not everyone with a concussion to a severe brain injury makes a hundred percent recovery. And I would, right. I would agree that the more severe a brain injury is, the more likely you will never be the same person. But that doesn't mean you can't be doing the things you did before that you love. I mean, once again, not to harp on Kevin Pierce, um, he snowboards now. You know, he went from not being able to walk. He has a
0: family.
1: He's got a family he can find. And I I just use as an example of someone in the limelight who's had their story documented. You can see there's living proof right there. Um, if you see him in Craig Hospital and you see him now speaking at things, at yoga retreats, uh, snowboarding, and, you know, zipping through trees, um, I would agree. I think that is some form of recovery. And I think he would agree that that is, he's reached some semblance of recovery. Maybe not his normal self, um, but better than it was day one. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And like, you know, for myself, even, am I 100% recovered? Probably not. I, I on on most days, I say I'm at like 90, 95%. Um, but I still have things that can set off my symptoms. And um, one example is I was on a road trip, and it was raining all day. And so my wipers were going. Mm-hmm. And I got to my hotel that night. And I was like, I was on a boat again. And I'm like, man, I haven't had these symptoms in so long. Um, And I did my little exercises and I went to bed and the next day it had resolved. Um, But like, you know, they can still creep up, right? With certain activity. Um, But overall, like two years ago, I would not have said 90%. Two years ago, I probably would have said 70, 80. Um, and then you helped me get another level, um, with some of my dizziness. Um, and you know, I'm, I work full time again. I, I never didn't drive, but like, I'm very confident driving. Um, I, I have, my balance is greatly improved. I attribute a lot of that to, to yoga as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I just, it just pains me to think that there's people out there who believe that you can't recover. And like, like, like we've already kind of said, you might not get to a hundred percent, but isn't 80 or 70 better than 40.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, I, I, um, I agree. And I I think there are some individuals in, and I get the healthcare arena, right? You saw this with, with COVID um, where there are sometimes false promises and there's false yeah. profits. Uh, yeah. and I think we both would agree that recovering from a brain injury is not easy and it takes a lot of work. It's a not lot linear <laughs> and it's not linear, but it can be done. Uh, and, and I, I, that's where I do struggle where people are out there selling here is the easy get better you know, do this. So yes. where people's frustration, right. You can see this. Um, It's kind of like in it's different, but it's like in the cancer world when people talk about the ability to prevent cancer uh, and how that can be triggering for individuals with cancer. Cause it says, well, what could I've done better? This is my fault. And, and right. it's so hard to say, you know, there, there's so many variables. So I can empathize and relate to where those things can be triggering, especially, if one has struggled recovering and they haven't gotten the help they need, and they've been told these yeah. things, it's kind of like, it, it's like it, it can be going against them. But it, it's just a shame that doctors are, and that's not you see that all the time though. You see it not only in head injuries, you see it in a lot of chronic conditions. Is well, if I don't know, it must mean it can't get better. Yes. Yeah. And it's like well, yeah, you know, people think just because people have a a doctor in front of them that they must know everything and they don't none of you know we don't and it's it's okay to not know the answer to things but how we refer
0: out i mean i begged i begged my neurologist i'm like isn't there something we can try isn't there like pt ot uh, something out there that can help and she was like, well, I just, I don't know. I think this is just the best you're gonna get. And I just was like, I remember thinking like, seriously, we're not gonna try anything. No. Um, Like it just, it blew my mind. Um, And this was the neurologist, which is who you think mm-hmm. should know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And then, like I said, it was two more years later before I found functional neurology. Um. And then I was blown away by the things that we could do to help. And unfortunately our healthcare system's broken Mm -hmm. and a lot of the alternative treatments aren't covered by insurance. Right. Which is why a lot of people can't access the care. Um, Doctors don't refer out of their little network Mm -hmm. um, to people that can help them. I mean, there's just so many barriers and, you know, it just, it, I just had my nine year brain anniversary on the third. And so it, every year, I think it gets me worked up all over again about how I just need to be loud and get out there with my voice. Because if people don't even know about these resources, they're mm-hmm. not going to get better, right? Like you have, like recovery doesn't just happen. It, it, like you said, there's no magic pill. There's no, get better quick scheme right like it takes hard work It um like it was very hard work it took me a good i mean i did like a two-week intensive but then it, it still took me months if not i think it was close to like a year and a half to like start seeing other results
1: yeah and this comes back to um like we talked about is you know you know, think about if you go to your traditional healthcare provider and there's not much of an exam done, you know, it's, it's, it's a model to where if they still look at the brain in a way that it doesn't change, why would you assume Mm -hmm. that anything changes? And then once again, we know that medications are not really that helpful in concussions. I mean, symptom management, headaches and, you know, but it, it doesn't seem to be very helpful. So. If if every day you go to work and you see in in your lens that they don't get better, I I would think the same thing. But I feel fortunate that I have been around functional neurology for a long time, you know, in practice myself and around people in practice. And when you see things, you know, you know, people talk about Doctor Kerrick and it looks like a miracle. But when you see things day in day out, you you're like, oh no. Well, this is this totally makes sense. You can get better, and it and it, and I tell yeah. patients all the time is, um, you know, and I actually stole this from Dr. Stenman of like, you know, let me hold the hope for you until you have it because I feel hopeful. Mm. I've seen this a thousand like times, and I feel pretty confident you'll get better. I know you don't feel confident because everyone's told you you won't get better, but I've seen this a ton of times. You know, I, I'm pretty sure you'll get better. And then you have patients all the time that come in. And at early on, they're super skeptical and then eventually you can see they're like, oh, this is great. I'm doing so much better. And then they become you know a voice and things like that. Um, you know it's, it's interesting and this is kind of a side tangent that doesn't totally have to do with head injuries, but it's just in, in healthcare. And I saw this shift in my own my own father who had um, pancreatic cancer, but right so a diagnosis that is, is not good. Right? It doesn't end up well for anyone, but it was funny because, you know, things weren't working out how medicine told him would be in a good way, right? He was doing well. And it was funny. He was watching a TV show and it was a very negative message on that diagnosis. And he turned to me and it was so funny seeing the change of saying, man, I don't get why they don't put positive stuff in there. I was given nine months. I'm two and a half years in and I'm still alive. You know, and it was so funny seeing the change in his tune from yeah. that there- one where he's like, and it all comes back to, you're not making things up in your head that this is going to be a, you know, a magical story, but the stories we tell ourselves of where we can recover, we can get better, or it doesn't always have to be the way the doctor tells us. Too often we take the doctor's word as a word of God. And like I said, doctors, all of us, medical doctors, DCs, PTs, all of us they're smart. We've been to school, um, but we're not God and we don't know everything. And yeah. if, if you talk, if I talk, to, you know, to my wife, who's in surgery, whether you want to call it miracles or whatever it is, crazy things happen. The, yeah. the human body and the human mind, we don't understand. And to think that we can put it in our own think, to think we can understand ourselves. I don't think we ever fully will. Uh, the brain is a powerful thing. Um, and so that was just, it was a, a thing that reminded me of, once again, mindset and how if we listen to yeah. the non-empowering narrative, it's going to happen. You're not going to get better. You know, if you're told mm-hmm. time and time again, you can't get better and you don't feel better, why would you ever get better? Uh, and that doesn't mean sell people false hope. That doesn't mean tell yeah. people they're going to get better in charge of a bunch of money. It doesn't mean that. That's where you have right. to have proving objective data. And then the patient also saying, man, I feel better. I can walk two miles and I couldn't even get off the couch before. That is improving. Exactly. So uh-huh. I think this is really important because it gives hope. And hope is like the only thing some of these individuals have. And if you don't have hope, what's the point?
0: Yeah. 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 And yeah, I just... <clears throat> the attitude's half the journey. Right. And I know for me, when my doctor said, well, this is the best you'll get, you never get better. And I just had the drive in me. I was like, well, that's unacceptable. (laughs) Like I couldn't work. I, I mean, like I couldn't do anything. I, it was horrible. I couldn't remember two seconds ago. Like, I mean, my life was just completely altered Mm -hmm. and to have someone say, well, I guess this is the best you're going to be, which is And then like, you learn that that's incredibly outdated information. Even at that time, it was already way outdated information. And like, I just had that drive in me and I was like, well, that's unacceptable. And like I said, that's when I turned to yoga to really like try to help. I'm like, well, if no one else is going to help me, I'm going to do it myself. and and that's, that's also when I started doing all my advocacy work because um, I wanted other people to know that there, there are things that can help and there is hope. And, you know, just to not give up hope just because a doctor, like you said, we have been taught to blindly trust our doctors. Mm-hmm. I watch it with my mom. She, what the doctor said is gospel. And I can tell her the same thing and she won't listen to me, right? Like, it's just-
1: Uh-huh. That, that generation, that generation yeah. is very- um, I had to, once again, I had to battle with, with my dad and, and near the end, I think he finally was like, oh God, forget these people. Like, but initially you're just like, oh, they know what's best. And then until you've been through it, you start to say like, yeah." most of these people don't have my best interest in mind. Yeah. Um, but I think you hit on a great point of, of mindset. And I, I've told people this, I can usually tell day one how likely someone is to get better versus not versus their outlook. Um, and you, mm. see this, you see this in pain research. So in pain research, this is a concept called catastrophizing. So the idea of catastrophizing is, and these are what are called uh, yellow and red flags. And this work was some of the work done by, um, Annie, Annie O'Connor. She's a a PT out of Chicago who specializes in chronic pain, but recognizing these yellow and red flags, which are, um, this pain is so bad. I'll never be able to live my life again. This pain is so bad. I can't interact with people. So when individuals start taking a symptom and it starts removing them from society, and they start feeling internally that maybe that pain is worse than it actually is, Mm -hmm. the concept of catastrophizing, these are yellow and red flags warning you, this is gonna be a very difficult case to get better. And this is why we have more and more research showing that things like cognitive behavioral therapy are pretty powerful for chronic pain. And and pain is just where they're the most research. I'm gonna make the argument that Any neurological symptom is going to work the same. I see this in dizziness. So you have what's called triple PD, persistent perceptual postural dizziness, which is a central form of dizziness. And what is one of the confounding factors that increases your risk? Anxiety. Individuals who have preexisting anxiety or who are neurotic individuals tend to be more likely to create this condition because their emotional brains perceive that there's still a threat. And so when I have an individual and they say, I can't get better. This is so bad and debilitating. I'm so broken. Those are red flags that need to be addressed because if they're not, they won't actually get better versus the individual that comes in. They say, I'm still working. I'm going to get better. This sucks. I feel like shit. Um, but I still got to work my job, uh, once again, not to keep harping on this as an example, going back, I look at my dad, you know, he worked for two and a half years up into the day he passed. And part of the reason I think he lived past a six month diagnosis was because he continued to have purpose. He continued to, yeah. to say, I'm not going to let this define me. I'm going to keep moving. And that's the same thing I see with my patients is the ones who continue to live their life and try to put themselves into society, they will get better. And those mm-hmm. who remove themselves from society and feel that they can't get better, they're going to have a very difficult time because those, those are limiting beliefs. And th- yeah. that's not, that's not woo woo science anymore. That is proven science. That is seen in the the pain the, in the, the pain science world is filled with literature discussing how limiting beliefs will keep someone in chronic pain.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So, yes, I'm
0: so glad you bring that up.
1: If someone is questioning what I'm saying, just look in the chronic pain world and you will see how outlook and things like therapy and counseling and altering mindset and threat responses will change someone's neurology. Look into the work of Annie O'Connor. She's got a great textbook called a world of hurt. And it's all on this concept Of chronic pain and pain science once again you're saying well that's not brain injury but chronic pain is a neurological event right once you get into the brain it's all it's all the same chronic dizziness chronic pain it's altered neural circuitry and if it can change in the pain arena in the dizziness arena why can't it change in other arenas as well like brain injury
0: Uh Hmm." Perry, this has been such good information. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, I just want to take a moment, see if anyone has any questions. You can drop them in the comments. If you're watching live, if you're watching the recording, go ahead and drop one and we'll try and respond to it for you. Um, But Perry, why don't you just take a moment? um, If people want to find you and connect with you, it's integratedbraincenters.com. And I know that you guys do offer a complimentary phone consultation for anyone who might want more information. So let yep. us know a little bit about that and a little bit about what it's like um, to work with you.
1: Yeah. So like you said, uh, we you can follow us at uh, Integrated Brain Centers. Um, and there we have a ton of educational webinars um, and all sorts of educational content. You can follow me on Dr. Perry uh, Maynard on Instagram. And actually that's, I need, I got to get back to posting, but that's where we also have a lot of testimonials. So going back to um, we have a lot of people sharing their journey, which the reason I do that is for people to have hope is if they can see 10 people with chronic dizziness post concussion, and those people got their life back. They're like, well, if they got their life back, why can't I get my life back? So, yeah, or to bring hope to people. So that's something that's really great that we have on on social media and on our website. And the the whole point of the free consultation is to chat with individuals to learn their case to see do we think we can help, or do we think an individual, uh, maybe a neurooptometrist, might be the best for them? Someone like Doctor Zelensky, who you've talked to a ton, or. Dr. Terry Trinka, you know, because that's the other piece is that there's so many amazing providers that sometimes my goal is to guide you in that right direction, because unfortunately, your traditional doctor is not going to do that. Um, And so we can help guide people across the country to get to the right provider. Uh, And if individuals want to work with us, um, that's where we work with individuals from in state of Denver and Colorado. Uh, to out of state and out of the country. And individuals will fly in and we'll sometimes do what are called intensives, where we'll work with individuals for a week to two weeks. It really allows us to understand their case, what broken parts of their brain are creating their symptoms, and then creating strategies to improve function, right? Maybe not heal, but improve function in those broken circuits. And a lot of times that equates to less symptoms and more functionality in life. Mm -hmm.
0: great well perry thank you so much and i'll be sure to put all the links and i wrote down the books you mentioned so i'll try and get those all um in the links below this video so thank you so much for being here and sharing i really appreciate i think um people are learning so much from these monthly tbi talks i just think we can really dive into a topic each month and, and conquer it so thank you for being here